All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Can you describe the rocket, sir? Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Nubis with your Meltdown Radio podcast, new episode of Hordes of Chaos. Ah, uh, let's see, I got some, there's not a whole lot in terms of new music I got for you. I do have a few things in there, as well as some stuff that was sent to me from Inverse Records, Grand Sounds Promotions, and Mike Giuliano's, Giuliano's Horror, Pain, Gore, Death Records. Uh, so I got a few things in there for you guys from them. Also got some new stuff from Cult of Rennes. Um, what else we got here? Zaraza, uh, Altija, King Hiss, and a couple other things in there. Um, got a lot of classic stuff in there for you as well. Obviously opened up the show with some classic death doing some Priest there with Painkiller. Uh, Entertainment-wise, got a lot of good stuff for you. Uh, the second segment uh, coming up later, I've got a lot to get to just because I found it very interesting. A lot of interesting tidbits that I learned of, but we'll get to that. <clears throat> and this, I think first uh, block we got, we got a little bit of thrash coming at you. I'm going to go back and kick it off with some uh, classic atrophy from the Violent by Nature uh, record. This is called Too Late to Change.
this is Jeff. We are Emerald, and you are listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, DJ New is back with you on Metal Tavern Radio. Uh, so a couple things to get to here. Uh, a couple of um, Netflix series that I recently have watched and began watching. The first one being The Witcher. Uh, kind of been talking about it in past episodes. Finally got around to watching the whole fucking thing. It's fantastic. I don't have a lot of background with the subject matter. Apparently is. uh based off some books and also video games, neither of which I've read or played, so, but apparently both have done really well, especially uh, in Poland and stuff like that, where it originates from. <coughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but the series itself, uh, which stars uh, Henry Cavill, who was playing the Superman in the DC movies recently, in the recent years, um, playing Geralt of Rivia, and uh, he's basically a beast hunter with special abilities, and it's kind of cool. They the effects are really good. Uh, it also has, apparently, the storyline itself has a couple of main female characters. Uh, one is Siri, and the other one is Jennifer. Uh, both those characters are very interesting as well. Um, I can't remember exactly the actresses that portray them, but they did a really good job. Uh, the last episode obviously left you on a bit of a... A cliffhanger, which will be interesting going forward. So I'm not sure how it's all going to play out, but thus far, the series is really, really good. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, do so. I did see an article on Henry uh, on Henry Cavill and his best five movies. <clears throat> Three of which, of course, were dealt with the DC stuff with Superman and whatnot. Now, I think is the overall look. Cavill really fits the Superman mold, but I just found his portrayal of Superman to be kind of dull and bland. So I, it never really clicked me. Now, I don't know how much of that is his fault versus the plots, because I've talked about in the past how DC hasn't really been as good as Marvel when it comes to making their movies and the continuity of it all. Um, <clears throat> certainly, he... Uh, Looks the part, obviously, but uh, I just haven't been really that entertained or enthused by the portrayals of men in those movies. However, uh, the top movie they listed for him as far as his best role happened to be his character out of uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, the last one. Which is really good because I thought that was one of his better moments as well. So, But The Witcher so far has been my favorite in terms of his acting and his portrayal of characters or whatever. So I think he's done a really good job there. The other series that I started watching that I didn't even know that much about either was a series called The Zoo. It's been out for a little while. And it just it's um, based off the novel by James Patterson, which basically talks about how in modern day uh, animals, whether they're like zoo animals, wild animals, cats, dogs, whatever, begin turning on the turning on humanity so basically they form this sense of intelligence that they just turn the tables and just to describe one scene you've got uh some lions male lions who normally are just like maybe 
one versus you know one within a pack of like females and females are usually the ones that are hunters but in this case what's happening is uh the male lions so just say like a group of five of them are getting together and actually stalking and preying on human people so <clears throat> it's an interesting concept that also we have we see back that like the one part is from like say africa or whatever but then you have in the states, you know, cats and dogs are actually doing similar things. They're banding together, no matter the breeds uh, or whatever, and they're finding ways to manipulate the human population to try to kill them. So it's very interesting. Uh, problem for me is that I'm only two or three episodes in, and I'm kind of losing interest. I don't know if it's just because the actual act uh, actors and actresses are not really clicking with me. I don't know if there's just Maybe there's just too much lull time between the episodes. I don't know. It's just... The concept is beautiful. I love it. Um, I may go back and check it out. The rest of it, I just haven't gotten back to it. But the concept is great. I just... It isn't really being executed as much as I would like. And I've heard that from other people. The same thing. The same problems they had with it. So... There's that. So anyway, if you're even interested in that kind of stuff, check it out. It's pretty interesting, nevertheless. Now we're going to jump back into some more music. Uh, I do have some new Cult of Arenas in this, uh, but we're going to kick it off with some Forlorn Path as Hope Fades.
One more to go, then it's up to you. And you better be right, because it looks like this last one's gonna take a miracle. It's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles. So be of good cheer and call me when you hit the line. Alright. DJ Nibbis. Back with you on Mount Radio Podcast. This is the Hordes of Chaos. Heard a little clip there from Die Hard, Hans Gruber. Um, so yeah, I want to get to that here, uh, uh, different level, many different levels actually about Die Hard. Uh, first off, just got done with Christmas, so obviously over the years, Die Hard has become what they call a Christmas movie, and of course there's always endless debate about whether it belongs there. I've heard people say, well, it's not, the, the storyline has nothing to do with Christmas. Well, it doesn't, but Christmas is referenced all throughout that film, so... It's a Christmas movie, okay? So get the fuck over it already. Anyway, uh, Netflix, again, we're getting back to Netflix here. They have a little series on there for season one where they, it's called Movies That Made Us. And there are documentaries about certain movies that, that became really big. Uh, some of the other movies are Ghostbusters, uh, Dirty Dancing, and Die Hard, obviously. I can't remember what the fourth one was, but... Uh, I was more interested about Die Hard just because I actually went to the theater in 1988 at age 18 and see that. And I remember coming out of that theater being so fucking pumped and stoked. Like, that movie had blown me the fuck away. But I never knew back then or even till recently, like, some of the things that were involved with that on, on many different levels. Um... The, for instance, uh, I didn't know the guy that played Carl, one of the main villains, who I thought did a phenomenal job uh, in that movie. He was actually a ballet dancer, which kind of shocked me. Like, you do, you wouldn't envision it, but uh, he is, and he just did such a fantastic job as that villain, as Carl. That just I'm like blown away by that. Uh, other things are, of course, um. Most notably, I did not really realize uh, that Willis was not the original choice for the character. And I'm going to step back from him and kind of go to the background of Die because the movie itself is based off a book called Nothing Lasts Forever. And it was like, uh, it's supposed to be like a sequel to a book called True Detective, which also became a movie way back in the 70s, I think. Um starring Frank Sinatra, and eventually Nothing Lasts Forever was supposed to be like the sequel, which also was supposed to star Frank Sinatra in that. But it took so long for them to get the script and everything else that by the time everything got settled <clears throat> with uh, Die Hard movie, like they had to change the title, they, didn't, they, didn't like, they wanted to do all these different changes that at the time that they actually got ready to greenlight that movie, Sinatra was old, too old to be doing it. So, obviously, the hunt went on now to find an actor to fill the role. And, of course, it's not a shock to me. Yes, it, although it is that the apparently they had tried to go to like guys like Sylvester Stallone, um, 
James Caan, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they tried to get all these guys to do this role. Nobody was interested. Like, it's for whatever reason, they just were not interested. And finally, uh, because people know each other behind the scenes and whatnot, who, the guy that was directing and running the TV show Moonlighting, which starred Bruce Willis uh, and Sybil Shepard, uh, I remember watching that back then as well, thinking that Willis was quite hilarious. Uh, so they were trying to bring Bruce in to do this, and at first, obviously, the filmmakers at Fox, the, the company, they weren't that crazy about the idea because Willis did not look the part, and his demeanor wasn't the same. He wasn't their manly man, basically, so there were some real struggles there to want to have him as the choice of John McClane. Now, the thing about it is, uh, Willis finally, like, when they finally got him in there, like, the way that Willis's agent had to sell it, and this is what's really funny about this, because it changed a lot of things, was Fox really didn't want Willis, but they didn't have anybody else. And Bruce really wanted to do the role, but the agent was smart in this aspect that he wanted to make sure that if the movie was going to make or break with Bruce, that he was going to be compensated for it. So, <laughs> unknowing to me, uh, Bruce Willis asked for $5 million, which was unheard of at that time. And even guys like Salona and Schwarzenegger were not getting that much. Like, Schwarzenegger had just done... Um, Predator, which the director who's the one who ended up doing Die Hard did that and even Schwarzenegger didn't get that much money for that particular film so here it was, Bruce Willis who had never done a fucking action movie at all, and only had one movie to his credit, which is Blind Date, which is very good by the way, even though it was trashed by most critics, but uh, so yeah he was breaking a point there with the money as far as getting what he was, his actors were concerned so Never had done an action movie, but he was being paid highest one more than any other action movie at that time. So, obviously he goes in and he's going to start doing the script. Now, apparently the guy that originally wrote the script uh, was let go because the director... Because of the subject matter, who and the director actually kind of turned it down three different times because he just didn't like the idea of terrorism. So... Finally, when he was pressured into doing the movie, he wanted to make it kind of lighthearted. And so that meant that the characters throughout the movie in different scenes would have to be kind of like, they'd have to drop some humor in there. So that's probably why we see, like, I, I apologize, I can't remember his name, the Asian terrorist guy who's been in a number of movies like uh, Rapid Fire and stuff like that. He uh, He's sitting there waiting for the cops to show up at the, the, the doors and... He sees candy in the machine next to him or in the little glass case and he grabs like some M&Ms or something. So it's like little subtle things like that. And of course Bruce Willis has all these one-liners that he's been using in Moonlighting that he's finding a way to use them in this movie. So the original script guy couldn't get that fat. He couldn't find a way to make the humor work. He just didn't have that kind of knack. So they had to replace him bring another guy in who did a very good job who got with Willis and they worked it out to where 
they would find the you know the things that they could say that would kind of get little giggles. One of them being the Roy Rogers yippee motherfucker thing. So that was interesting as well. So a lot of different things happening with this movie. Uh, some of the other little tidbits that I found interesting was. Uh, like I said, the original plan was for Willis's character to be played by Sinatra. That's one thing that <laughs> I don't know if we'd ever had seen or can envision something like that. Even if Sinatra was still young, I'm not sure if he had the kind of chops to be that kind of action hero, regardless of the fact. But it would have been interesting, nevertheless. Uh, one bit of trivia, though. Uh, initially, initially when they started writing this film, they had to do rewrites on the on the go. So they're filming the movie, and the guy that's doing all these new script things to try to work in the one-liners and all this other stuff, he's writing in front of the shooting. So this is just, it's like maddening for him. So as they're going along, they're still not sure. By the time they get to the end where the, the top of the building is blowing up, they don't know exactly how the terrorists are supposed to get away. <laughs> so obviously the idea comes, well, we're going to let them use an ambulance that they'll pull out of the big truck they showed up in. The problem is they had already shot the scene at the beginning where the guys come out of the big truck and there's no ambulance in it. The director had said, yeah, we knew that was going to be a, a foobar on our part, but we just let it run. So basically, uh, you just pretend that there's an ambulance in there, but there really isn't one at the time where they shot that scene. So that's kind of funny. The other thing that I found really hilarious, and uh, Hans Gruber played by Alan Rickman, the late Alan Rickman, brilliant actor. Uh, they wanted an English-speaking actor to, to play the role, and they I forgot who it was that initially knew of him, or he was doing stage work at the time, and they just thought he had a real knack for being that person. And, but because Alan was not really so much of an action hero himself in a sense like the lady i forget who she was talking in this documentary said that she had to tell alan to hold the gun more sturdy like he was kind of limp wrist with it so it was kind of funny that he couldn't do that seriously at first so but eventually if you ever seen die hard rickman is just fucking brilliant and the hans gruber jokes go on for years beyond that so but for anyone who has seen it, and you know the ending scene where he's dropped out of the fucking building of Nakatomi Plaza, uh, it's very interesting because he did that stunt himself. Now, obviously, he's not dropping 30 stories or whatever the fuck it is in the movie, but uh, I believe it's like 40, 40 feet, I think, or close, maybe, maybe. Yeah, about 40 feet, I think, was the actual drop that he was just going to drop into, like, a blue uh, parachuted bag of some sort, you know, which you would normally see. Uh, but because Alan had never done anything like that, you know, he, he was obviously a bit nervous. So what they were going to do is the stuntman would tell him, well, what we're going to do is we're going to count to three, and then we'll let you drop. But what they did was they actually counted the one and let him go. And the reason they did that is because they wanted him to have a real reaction to falling. And it came out perfectly. And even though 
Alan had apparently done an interview late, much later in his career, and someone had brought that up, and he said, yeah, you know, it's lucky they did that at the end because that may have changed the way I felt about doing that whole movie. So I, I think it's kind of funny that they, they pulled that little moment on him, but to, to try to get a general reaction of falling, which just was awesome. So, I don't know. I, I, if you haven't seen this document, I haven't seen any other episodes yet, but... The one on Die Hard was very interesting. A lot of cool tidbits in there and, and trivia. So I'll be looking forward to checking out the Ghostbusters. Uh, Dirty Dancing, I don't care so much. Missy will probably enjoy that. Neko, obviously. Um, yeah, check it out. It's pretty good. All right. Back to music. Uh, kicking off this block, some King Hiss with Vomit. we 
this is Pamenos from After Jazz and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, about that time for our rock block. In this rock block I got some Yes Sticks, some Rat, Ronnie James Deal, and some Allison Chains. We're going to kick it off some latest from Volbeat. Sorry, sack of bones.
king Touch me and my troubles are fade racing fan want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champ and flat card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line at Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Gillsburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roll.
Patrick from the Canadian Press Metal Band Reanimators, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Allison Chaser, All Secrets Known, Post Lane Staley. Good stuff. Actually, quite impressed with uh, all the work that AIC has done since uh, Staley's death. I mean, they still have that core sound to their music, which is great. Um, obviously, can't ever replace Lane, but they do a pretty good job of coming close to that and keeping it intact and where they can play the old stuff and not really lose a beat. So, that's pretty good. A uh, couple of uh, music news bits to get to. Um, first one, obviously, uh, I played some Rat in the Rock Block. And, you know, there's this love-hate relationship with Stephen Piercy and Rat. And I can never tell when the guy is going to stay in the band and continue to be in the band. I, every time I turn around, like the dude's like, out of the band, in the band, out of the band. But... The thing is, like, when he's in the band, the band sounds like Rat. Like, even though you're missing one of your biggest contributors with uh, Robin Crosby, who passed away many moons ago, you know, you still, like, the last record I did in 08, uh, Infestation, was actually, or actually 2010, excuse me, uh, was actually a really big nod to their classic material, which I thought was great, even though they had Carlos Cavazza from um, Quiet Riot filling in at that time. That record was the core sound of Rat to me. And then, of course, you heard all the rumors that Steven left again. And he was do And the funny thing about Steven is, like, his last solo record, View to a Thrill, is actually really good, and it also has what I would call the basic Rat sound. So, like... You could have threw the Rat moniker on his solo record, and that would have been that would have been like a Rat record to me. That's how close it was in the feel and the vibe. Um, but apparently, according to you know a recent article, he's back with the band. Uh, Juan Crusher, the bass is in there. Um, I guess they have guitarist Chris Sanders from Britney Fox and Ziff. I don't know from Black and Blue or no, yeah. Now, Ziff, I guess, also comes from Britney Fox or something like that. And then you got Pete Holmes from Black and Blue. So, really, Piercy and Cruiser are the only remaining members at this point. Um, at least by name. I'm not sure what happened to Warren or Bobby Blitz. Uh, maybe they just called it a day. I don't know. Uh, I know they've had uh, back-and-forth issues with each other. Um, so, who knows? Um, either way... They've got 15 new songs demoed that they want to put a new record out, which is cool. I'm hoping that it's good. You know, it's, it's always hard to say how it's going to come out because the less amount of original artists that you have in there, the chances of having that really rat sound can be hard to come by. But like I said, with Steven's solo record, the last one, and I know he didn't have any the rat guys in that, I don't think. So if he's able to pull that off with the rat name on it then great um i'll check it out for sure been a long time fan i'm a big fan of the early stuff and he's describing the new material as being a cross between the rat ep and invasion of your privacy which is really the golden era for me for them uh, so we'll see how that goes with that also uh 
for a long time, I've been a Lacuna Coil fan. They're like a gothic, uh, heavy metal band from, um, where are they from anyway? Uh, Italy, duh. Uh, back in 99, I took a chance when I was still browsing CD stores. That's how far back that goes. I uh, checked out their debut, In a Reverie, and... At the time, I, I didn't really get it. I mean, I, obviously, I knew what gothic metal was at that point, but it just it wasn't... There was something about that record that didn't really click with me. So I kind of just passed it off and didn't even really worry about it. But then the sophomore release, Unleashed Memories, that clicked. Like, to me, that started creating their sound to what was going to eventually end up today. Um, obviously, with Coma Lies, which came after that, which was like their breakout record... Karma Code was also very good and strong. Uh, from there, it gets a little shaky. Um, two records, Shallow Life and Broken Crown Halo, um, had the modern metal sound, but they lost a lot of what I liked about it. To me, they kind of went far too mainstream and kind of lost, lost me there with that. However, between Shallow Life and Broken Crown, Dark Adrenaline, I felt, actually kind of returned to that. Uh, then, I, then, of course, Broken Crown came out and they went back. Then the last two records, Delirium and the new one, Black Anima, uh, are right back to where they were. So I really enjoyed the last two records a lot. Um, but recently, uh, singer uh, Andrea, Andrea Farrow, he's the male vocalist in the band, uh, opposite of Christina Scabia. They, uh, he was talking about how this new record is kind of connecting with both old and new fans. But to me personally, I think that both Dark Adrenaline and Delirium do that. Because um, both are still very... Uh, there's still some songs on both those albums that are very mainstream uh, and easy listening in the sense that like you could take singles out there and make them on mainstream radio with no problem. Um, but, uh, with Black Animal, same thing, you know, there's a lot of nice groove songs, as Andre, Andre puts it, and they've managed to go and kind of reinvent themselves, uh, image-wise, so that's kind of cool, it's got this darker, and they got a little bit of the makeup in there, so that's kind of cool, I, I really dig that, uh, it's been a very long time since I've seen them live. I, I really kind of need to get back and see them because it's been like since maybe 2003 since uh, I've seen them live. I, I do have like a signed poster somewhere in here from, I think it was Ozfest they were part of. So very cool band, very uh, humble, very nice people, great songwriters. I love Christina's voice, always have. And they have a knack of writing some really good tunes. Uh, you, you know, you may not consider them the heaviest band on the planet, which is fine. They're not really meant to be. Uh, they have a lot of melody in their music, so I just really dig them. Uh, but as with most bands that have long careers, there's always going to be hit or miss records uh, for one reason or another. But found that to be an interesting tidbit from Lacuna Coil as well. All right back into the music uh this block i have some judgment hazard that's coming from horror pain and then valkyrie so here's judgment with pain
from Carve Lines, and you're listening to the Heart of Chaos, only on Metal Tavern Radio. Sorry about that. Jumped a little bit too much music too soon there. Alright, DJ New is back with you on Metal Tavern Radio. Got a couple more things to get to. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of them is, uh, I don't know how much I talked about it the last time we were talking about the whole Marvel and Avengers Endgame and stuff like that about <laughs> how uh, had Thanos, when he snapped his fingers and made half the population disappear, what that would have been like for the rest of the Earth and the universe in terms of balance, as Thanos put it. Uh, there's an article on Cinema Blend that kind of talks about the pros and cons of it. You know, one of the things apparently that was confirmed by directors and story writers that when Thanos snapped his fingers and made half the population disappear, it also included like animals and stuff like that. So when we talk about whether or not that would actually benefit in the case of Earth, humanity, and you know, whether or not alleviating the overpopulation or whatever, would that have made a difference because of the animals also being gone? Like, supposedly the idea is with half the population gone, it provides more resources for the rest of the remaining people. So if you take away half of the animals and plants and all that stuff, does it really benefit in any way? Personally... I'd probably try to think more outside the box there if I'm Thanos. I'd be like, you know... I'm not even sure if Thanos' really original intention was to make animals disappear and stuff like that. Because really, it kind of goes against his purpose. So whether or not the, the writers and everything else put it in there that way... I'm not sure that his intention would have been to do that. Because the idea was that... The people themselves were the problem, not the animals and, you know, stuff like that. So when he snapped his fingers and half the population is gone, to me personally, everything else should pretty much remain the same. The, the issues that you run into is some of the things the article points out is, you know, the methods of, you know, how many of those people left know how to do certain jobs? Like, can they all handle certain aspects of what they're supposed to do in everyday life so you know if you have someone who knows how just simple things like driving a tractor for uh, farming and stuff I mean if no one is able to do it can they teach themselves or it's just certain things like that just as everyday life you know there's certain jobs you know how would you handle law enforcement or governing and all that kind of stuff so when you watch things like the infinite war infinity war you know we see like people disappearing in an end game there's five years later you know how much of society has crumbled basically um they never really dive that deep into it with end game because you know obviously the whole point is to go back and reverse what Thanos did but I think it's an interesting thing to talk about what it would actually mean if something like that really happened. I mean, even if it costed myself my own life, basically, I, I feel that the Earth itself is overpopulated. I'm not even a big activist or 
you know, I'm certainly not Greta Thornburg, Thornburg or whatever fucking name is, you know, like, I'm not crying over what's going on with the Earth. I know there's a lot of issues here and there with different things on the planet, and some of those things are controllable and some aren't. Um, but let's just say for shit and giggles, you know, that half the population was gone. Well, that would alleviate some of the problems to me because right now we seem to be pushing this mantra that we need to continue to be procreating and, you know, creating more people and kids and all this stuff. And I'm like, not really. When you look at what's going on, even from when I grew up in the 70s till now, it's just it just seems so massively overpopulated. And we're continuing to, like, tear down and build and do all those things to try to keep up with the population and creating more jobs, creating more, you know, in that case, to create more food and et cetera, et cetera. So taking out half the population, well, some of that stuff's already made. So in a sense, it's just about organizing at that point for me, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, I haven't sat there and thought real deep about it, but to alleviate a lot of the, pro the stress that the earth takes from the humanity itself, I think that would be a good thing. Now, obviously the down part is, how do you choose who's gone who's not? And obviously in Endgame, in Infinity War, it's all about certain individuals who will remain while their loved ones are gone. That That is a painful thing, like, you know... For me, if Neko disappeared and I'm the one left behind, well, obviously I'm devastated. And it hurts. But, like, if I had to think logically about the future of the Earth and the planet itself, well, no matter if I'm here or she's not, or, you know, my family's not, if you're looking long-term, then that makes sense. So... Obviously, it's all just hypothetical, you know, weirdness that we talk about and come up with. But I, I, I thought it's an interesting article. They, they go from both angles, talking about how, you know, some of the if, to do that. Like if you did, they go with the assumption half the animal population is gone, so that really doesn't solve anything. And that, you know, because you're still dealing with the same number of people versus the animals that we eat or use to clothe or whatever so interesting thing it's on cinemablend.com check it out it has some interesting points of view the other thing I want to talk about real quick is I was unaware of this but apparently they are making an Indiana Jones 5 movie personally I didn't like Crystal Skull that much I liked the first three obviously mainly the first two but Apparently, Harrison Ford is coming back for Indiana 5, and he's getting up there in age, so I'm not sure what kind of role he's going to have. I'm not, I'm not sure if they're going to do the whole thing like they did with 4, with Shia LaBeouf being the son or whatever, and yeah, I didn't really like that. Not so much the aspect of the son, but just, you know, that's kind of how things are going these days. Die Hard and all that, so... Not sure. I'd rather just see Harrison maybe going for one last gasp but trying to you know uh treasure hunt and even if he's old as he is you know i'm sure they can make it work 
he's just a much better actor, and the character itself of Indiana Jones is just great. Don't need, don't really need to have like a a person taking the candle from it, in my opinion. Just find it a role or a story that works for him, and that's sort of believable in a sense that he can execute the stuff that needs to be executed at his age. That's really to me just kind of how it needs to be kind of done. Um, doesn't have to get so, so super crazy. Just make it sensible. All right, let's kick through this, folks. Uh, you already got a little taste before I fucked up on my last bit there. Oh, I did need to point out though, the hazard track that I played in the last uh, block wasn't from Grand uh, from uh, Horror Pain. It was from Grand Sounds Promotion. So that was my fuck up there. Uh, you will hear a track from Horror Pain a little later. From Musket Hawk, but uh, we're gonna kick it off now with some brand new Anger Seed Fragile Patterns. Ultimately, we're all dead men. Oh, my God. 
confessed. He has made no statement. Charges of murder have been accepted against him.
Alright, must get hot. Punk rock ruined my life. DJ Nubis, back with you on Metal Tavern Radio, the podcast. Getting ready to close out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos. Hope you enjoyed it all. Hope I played some good stuff for you there. Uh, I kind of made a post on Facebook and spread it around a little bit. If you're an artist, promotional site, label, radio station that's affiliated with me in the sense that you network with uh, Middle Tavern Radio Podcast with me and Neko, if you got any liners or voiceovers you want us to air during our podcast to kind of spread the word about your band or your label or the things you do, feel free to get a hold of me via PM on Facebook or uh, even my email, jamescorpru at gmail.com. Uh, try to make your liner or voiceover between like 30 seconds to a minute and a half. Um, I want to kind of keep them in that range. So the stuff that you usually generally hear to the show uh, are stuff that I've had for a while that were mainly from bands provided by Vlad Promotion, which had always done a great job for us with that. But I am looking to get some fresh stuff in for the new year uh, to try to just, you know mix it in a little more than what I usually have. So if you know anybody or you have uh, a label or site that you want to kind of get some free advertising for, feel free to hit me up. Be glad to post some of that for you during our shows. Got one last track from you. Um, It's been a couple years since this band's had a record. Their last record, Transformatio Mundi, I guess is how you pronounce that fucking great death metal from Germany um, it was a great record and I'm going to take one of the tracks from that to end this episode so I hope you enjoy it it fucking really hits hard so enjoy Cadaver Disposal Divine Delectation peace out <laughs> 